Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. I can't even do it today because I, I wanted to do something horrible. I, I it just did it, did it, did it. I, I something popped in my head, you know, an improv. You're supposed to go with your choices. I, 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 I 
backed off my choice, Joseph. I understand. <laughs> I used to do a lot of improv. I've done some improv in the last couple of years. And sometimes my mind has offered me something and I've said yes, but no to myself <laughs> in my own mind. Like, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I understand. If you're just checking us out for the first time, this is a thing that we've done with some of our, our shows like the Clone Wars Report and the Mandalorian Report of I Say the Such and Such Report. And then Ken comes in with a fun noise. And I think what we're uh, <laughs> revealing is uh, a truth about this episode of Andor. Uh, yeah. Any noise that is associated with this episode is not fun. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, is brutal mm -hmm. a fair word? Was this a mm. brutal, a brutal experience, Ken? Uh, this episode was, uh, and, and definitely the point, it's been the point of a lot of the episodes. I get it. Uh, and I love it. Uh, we're going to dive into it, but yeah, yeah. You, you can't do the sounds of screams of, uh, sentient species being wiped out of planets. You can't do the sounds of people dying. Yeah. 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 So no. here we are. The end no. of the report. Yeah. <laughs> the sounds of silence. You like, you can't even do any, maybe a couple of the background Senate, uh, noises when, when Mothma is go. trying to appeal, like, and people are like, <laughs> go. she's got a point. Uh, long lived empire. <laughs> <laughs> boo. There's a straight up boo. Boo and toilets. They all exist in Star Wars. Lots of yeah. real world things exist mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. star wars we are here to discuss episode nine nobody's listening uh with an exclamation point uh written by bill bo williman directed by toby haynes this one is about 41 minutes of new story uh based on multiple various uh in interviews with uh creators uh we've really learned a lot about the story structure of the season uh, the mm -hmm. first three episodes were in arc uh, then the second three episodes, then seven was a, a sort of uh, bridging episode. And now we're into this this prison arc, this being the second episode of the prison arc. Uh, we always like to set up uh, kind of what, where we were at and what our process was of watching, what our what our midnight experience was here on the West Coast. So set the scene, Ken. How did you go into this episode of Andor? Uh, hard day's work. I mean, real hard day's work recording shows and radio shows and, you know, getting stand up bits together, just backbreaking work. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, after a week of travel, long four Saturday on Monday, I hit about nine o'clock and I was like, right, I got nine till midnight for Andor. I'm doing nothing, nothing. <laughs> and I even had like a little show outline I needed to get to you. I forgot. I just did it in the morning. So I was like, I'm doing nothing. I shut down mentally. I was like, I'm just going to wait for Andor excited to get to it. I, I don't watch, um, they released like a, a, a clip, right? That kind of went around. Didn't didn't look at that. I've uh, tried to avoid interviews. Uh, we can discuss there was an interview that maybe, yeah, I don't know, would lessen some of the impact of this episode. God bless you all if you do. Not a judgment just for me. And especially when it's like 9 p.m., I'm almost there. And uh, it paid off and I had a lot of fun, uh, fun with this episode. Tough episode of fun with. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I took a lot from it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't pour a drink. Uh, uh, I, I just sit and wait. You just sit and you did you just sit quietly in front of the television doing literally nothing for three hours, a form of meditation? Uh, I wish. No, I certainly uh, definitely uh, played too many too many video games. But, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, some baseball, baseball video games. To get you some ready baseball for and our pal Ken Plume texted me going, you get, come on, re-download Fortnite. They got Star Wars stuff. So I finally did it. Finally did it. I hadn't played. I didn't play it. It was downloading while I was waiting for Andor. So <laughs> uh, that is the new, you know, best part of playing video games. It's just the download. Knowing fun is coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I had a, a, a somewhat similar experience in terms of just being ready, bracing myself for Andor. Um, I had a, a long day, some great work stuff. Uh, 
uh, some challenging life stuff, you know, stuff that's mm-hmm. just life uh, that, I, that I can't really uh, talk about. But, you know, some stuff that just reminds you, yep, life is hard and that is the way of things. And, and so it goes. Uh, but I was piled up with some of those hard life things until about 1158. <laughs> and then uh, I set out my Ender action figure like I always did. And I had just a couple minutes to get ready. And I was just like, you know what? I know this one's going to be brutal. Uh, I sense it. I've seen some tweets indicating that yeah. brace for impact. And it's like, what if I just really tried to embrace that? So uh, <laughs> I poured my whiskey as I often do. I got down a stormtrooper action figure and like, remember, this is about the brutality of the empire. <laughs> and uh, there are, um, you know, there, there are lots of like brutal records, right. That people like to listen to sometimes mm-hmm. when you're hurting, it, it feels good to listen to somebody else hurting. Yeah. Um, and I was really reminded of uh, uh, this will not be a long uh, Frank Sinatra Center divergence, but uh, particularly in, in some of his golden years in the 50s and 60s, he would alternate between a swinging album that's really upbeat, a celebration yeah. of life and love and romance. And then he would have his uh, saloon song albums, which got progressively more and more depressing, like 45 minutes, a full album of just utter utter despair uh mm-hmm. when i was you know young and, and having a hard time in relationships i would just be like i am in the mood to be utterly emotionally devastated by frank sinatra and it's like <laughs> that's the zone i gotta be in for andor it is like putting on my most depressing uh frank sinatra album uh no one cares is the most depressing one in my opinion but uh yeah so I, that mm-hmm. that got me in the right headspace uh to to enjoy uh the brutality uh, in in the hardness of this episode, yeah, I'm thinking of the U2 song. It was a tribute to Frank. Two shots of happy happiness, one shot of sad. Uh, it makes a lot of sense there. Uh, this was all sad, all sad, but great sad. And yes, sometimes it hurts so good. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's this really interesting, you know, uh, structure into our relationship with Andor because we obviously know the entire story of the rebellion. Andor's story itself, even though it's bittersweet, is moving toward hope and mm-hmm. change and action. So you know that the whole story is is swinging in that direction. Eventually, the just the yeah. question of these episodes is uh, how how low are we going to go before we can uh, start to move up a little bit? Uh, and it's good uh, to be in that <laughs> that headspace. And it seems like there's still room to go lower. I think so. But there was, yeah. Well, let's get into the episode itself. Uh, I'll move on to my Frank Sinatra analogies to get back to Star Wars. What was your overall reaction to episode nine? Uh, Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it at all? Or were you on its wavelength? No, I, I was, uh, I loved it. I really did love it. It's one of my favorite episodes of the season so far. And I was trying to analyze why, because a lot of it is the same kind of, and I don't mean that in a, in a, a bad way, but like the same kind of uh, tone, tenor, emotional beats of the previous episodes, actually of the entire season, right? Uh, a lot of intense whispered conversations. And, and a couple weeks ago, I struggled with it. I said that on the show. This week, I loved it. And I think it all comes down to the ending. I've been somewhat critical of the endings. Uh, I love a good, awkward uh, downbeat or an uh, emotional uh, kind of uh, send-off. I'm an early Wes Anderson film fan, and a lot of that those movies ended on, it's an emotion, not an ending. Uh, and just go with that. I'm cool with that. I, I've struggled at times with Andor. I really have, um, where the episodes just kind of end. And it's like part of its passion for wanting to continue to hear the story, to listen to the story and, and, and learn the information that I, I so crave. Uh, but other times I just feel like, eh, what are you doing to me? Like, what are you doing to us? Uh, <laughs> come on. I get it. I get it. But give me an ending, man. And this week 
had a nerd chill, let's do this kind of ending. Uh, Andy Circus was fascinating and absolutely amazing. I see a lot of praise for him in this episode. Uh, a man who's certainly lacked praise his entire career. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really just felt it was firing on all cylinders and ended to that that moment. And, and um, that's where I'll start. Just love that, love the feel. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I actually do think that this episode, while having some of the most harrowing, um, upsetting, visceral moments and events so far, in, in my opinion, um, it, it was brutal. It, it was claustrophobic. It mm-hmm. felt in some ways like, it, you know, when we first met the old man, Olaf, we were like, okay, I'm, I'm like looking at my imaginary watch going, and when does a bad thing happen to you? Because he's set up from that, like, this felt like an hour of waiting for an old man to lose his hands in a prison factory accident, you know? Like, same, same. It, it's, it was brutal, and people are trapped in multiple ways. Bix and the prisoners mm-hmm, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally trapped. Mothma in her bank account is trapped, and her morals are trapped. Uh, no one and no information can be fully trusted. Utterly claustrophobic, you know? And yet it had a drive to it that mm-hmm. I feel like um, last episode was a lot about well, going back to episode seven announcement. Everybody mm-hmm. sort of announces these intentions. And then yeah. in episode eight, people kind of try and almost everyone but Miro fails to move forward. Yeah. In this episode just had much more drive of people saying we're close to the breaking point. It, it Something's mm-hmm. got to break. Something's got to break. Something's got to break. And I think that's what was so fist pumping about the ending is there's a lot going on in this episode, but you could, you could track the whole thing is will, uh, will Kino accept Mm. what is right in front of him in that catharsis of it breaking in him, accepting what we've all been screaming at the screen for an hour or more. That's just such a great, uh, big way to end and i agree with you some of the endings i feel like they've they've ended on a great thematic note but they haven't ended on the highest note like i believe it's uh it's episode seven where cassian is is dragged away in the shouting i'm just a tourist and you know the Mm. the disaffected uh you know judge saying take it up with the emperor that's kind of like the high note the bump 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 to end on Mm -hmm. and then we end on this thematically appropriate moment of um of cyril you know, but it's yeah. a quieter moment. And this was the big moment. This was the biggest moment of the episode. And yeah, I think term- that gave it this, just this, this great punch and energy. Yeah. Yeah. If this is a, if this is a song, this, we're, we're at the pre-chorus here and we're all about to hit the dance floor and, and just the beats about to drop. Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't want to assume <laughs> episode 10 is a happy go lucky chorus, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a mo- moment, momentum, movement, really felt it. I felt it all the way through this episode and it was building. I, I didn't know this ending was coming and I, I laughed earlier because I was like you. I was like, is this the scene where his hands get ripped off? Are we going to find, <laughs> are they, they going to pay off the hands thing that we've seen so far? Uh, and, and at least not yet. Um, but it just felt, it, it felt like a, a, the music was building, uh, literally uh, in uh, the score, but also you know, thematically uh, just everything going on and built, built to that wonderful ending. Yeah. Yeah. So the ending I think was powerful, but, but then also for me, I think one of the reasons that I enjoyed the episode is that uh, at different points, Andor has been a little bit more swept along, right? Uh, I think he spent most of uh, last Mm -hmm. episode as a title character, just kind of reacting, taking things in, but not fully making Mm -hmm. a choice. And, And it's a big thing for the title character to go an hour without really making a choice. So the fact that he was engaged right that he was trying to make all the information trying to make the connections cutting bathroom pipes you know Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that he is the instigator 
you know, mm-hmm. in this episode. And a great reminder that like Cassian has all these leadership skills and that's what makes him him valuable. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. he's not just another soul who who needs to join the fight. All souls should join the fight. All souls should make a choice. But like Luthen's eyes on him. He, he's important to uh, Rogue One because he has a set of skills and it's mm-hmm. great to see that and feel that. So he gave it that energy. And then there was this just great, weird, inverted energy where there's kind of a a ton of momentum from the thrill of the Imperial hunt where I'd be like, yeah, all right, things are happening. Wait, horrible things are happening. Horrible yeah, people yeah. are getting their way. And, and just the, the great bizarreness about, of hearing about a rebel heist only from the perspective of the empire, right? When they're talking about yeah, a captured yeah. rebel pilot, you know, we're so used to seeing that from the rebel pilots perspective and the Imperials yeah. are the ones we don't really get into their headspace. So mm-hmm. I, I did like that there was driving energy from the Imperial side. Yeah, that, and it's a great point, too, about the Andor thing. I think it's something I actually have enjoyed. I've seen it on Twitter. We've talked about it. Sometimes Andor seems a couple steps behind. Uh, what's going on? I'm a tourist. Uh, what's going? Hey, let's leave Marva. And I, I'm totally fine with that because I think this is tracking his journey. But I also do think it lends itself to uh, feeling a little uh, directionless, not the show, but just Andor, the character. You're waiting for him to catch up, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt all the way through, you're right, I think it was uh, very intentionally played obviously with different energy from him. And I liked seeing that. I liked where we're getting there. There was a moment where I'm looking at him and Melshi and I'm like, yeah, you boys get it. And you're going to make a difference. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, and, and I felt that too. So I love that. And this is one of my favorite episodes, just maybe in terms of, of plot, like I said earlier, uh, I think every episode is delivered. Obviously great themes and lessons and the tension's been wonderful throughout. If you enjoy tension as a form of entertainment, <laughs> but the reveals, uh, the reveals are building and, and they're getting better. We're getting connections. We got a little bit more Mon and, and, and Vel was big. Uh, and we've all kind of taken this journey together. Uh, it's been plotting at times. I think it's been deliberate and measured and those aren't bad things, but it's been a test of modern audience patience in this mm-hmm. binge age and even I have the tendency to be like, yeah, yeah, next, next, next. I think that's a little bit of my problems in the endings, but everything is starting to feel well-earned. I uh, no doubt that this would be what would happen where we'd start connecting dots. I get how this works, particularly a spy thriller, but I think we're there. We're finally there. And I had a lot of fun with that too. When I keep saying fun, I think that's what I mean. I'm like, yes, clearer pictures, stuff's happening. Momentum, like you said, uh, I loved all that. Yeah, me too. And then uh, my my last uh, big picture thing, I'm sure we'll talk about all the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did just want to mention is you uh, you stopped yourself from doing an impression of the horrible alien torture. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, Dr. Gorse calls it a sort of choral agonized pleading. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about the meaning of it. But I for me, it was um, I, love is a weird word. I'm very happy that this sort of pulp, bizarre, there are, this is a wide galaxy full of different species with, with, you know, different interconnecting ways of being and that there is weird mystery out there. Like mm-hmm. this is, Andor is a, a grounded, brutal show about, you know, the real impact of a real government on real people uh, who have jobs and socks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's what people are responding to in a lot of ways. But for me, I always still want it to be in the same galaxy where where Darth Vader is, you know, uh, breathing in his meditation chamber and choking people from far away with his mind and Chewbacca's running, run, Chewbacca's running around without pants, you know, like I yeah, still yeah. want it to be that galaxy. And I kind of love that this was so 
horrifically, effectively dark, but also very much of genre of space Mm -hmm. fantasy of pulp the idea that the death screams of dying alien children would rip somebody's soul apart is such a pulp idea so i'm glad they're finding ways to bring in that side of star wars in a way that still supports Mm -hmm. everything that is effective and successful about andor i am late to the game on this i think it's an excellent point and i i i yeah, even as horrible as it was, we'll talk about the meaning of it. I had that like, whoa, what is what? Who is who are those people? Like, what is it? A <laughs> uh, little bit of wonder. Uh, I am late to this. I'm sure it's been tweeted out. Uh, you've probably expressed it in some way as, as well, Joseph. But like, we always talk about, hey, uh, Solo, kind of a Western Star Wars. Could we get horror in Star Wars? I, I'm like, oh, this is Star Wars doing sci-fi. <laughs> I totally get it now. <laughs> it's all coming together. The THX 113 of it all. A lot of people, Jen Landa had a wonderful uh, uh, a TikTok video I watched on that. Um, and I, I'm joking at my own expense here. But yeah, I just, it, it, this this week it really clicked in. It is it is that version of, of Star Wars in a way. Because I've always been one that's like, ah, Star Wars is fantasy. I don't really enjoy sci-fi as much. But you see, you're feeling the the sci-fi uh, side effects here and I, I love it I, lo- I do love that yeah love is a weird word but i get it yeah yeah and and there, there's been yeah jennifer's video is great there's been so much talk of of the you know visual and thematic comparison to thx 1138 mm-hmm. but this week i found myself really just thinking about the the strange cultural journey of what that means um mm-hmm. thx 1138 is is presenting a lot of these ideas about, you know, tyranny versus personal freedom and the, the in rigid systems that crush your desire to be a, a human. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was bleak and brutal and slow. And still, even when people watch it today, I saw a couple of tweets this week. I finally gave it a chance. Not a very good movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was so bleak and brutal and slow that uh, Lucas has said in various interviews that one of the many, many motivations for Star Wars, not the only one, is, hey, what if I take those I- ideas of tyranny, mm-hmm. crushing personal freedom, and bake them into something faster and more fun so people actually mm-hmm. absorb the ideas? And now yeah. we've come full circle. We're like, does Star Wars always have to be so fast and fun? Let's strip it down to just the bleak, brutal cruelty of THX 1138. Raw, clear issues of tyranny shoved in our face. You know, like good old THX 1138. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's That's not to hilarious. say that Android isn't fun or, 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 no. or forward moving, but it, it's just in terms mm. of its desire, THX 1138 and Andor's desire to be uh, the complete opposite of subtle about shoving the horror of tyranny and authoritarianism mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. face. They yeah. are in lockstep. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, absolutely love it. It's, it reminds me of some of the fights I have around Rise of Skywalker. It moved too fast. No, it's called Pulp Adventure. And you just seem to, have, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. Second, different podcast episode in Force Center. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And this, I, I have two other things I want to say before we move on. But one of them that kind of ties into what you're saying here, because what the show has done and, and going back to the, the roots with THX uh, 1138. Uh, this show, I think it's it's personified a lot in, in Deidre Miro. We're going to talk about that this episode, definitely. Let's know she's on the bad team. Um, the idea of, the oh, man, I'd love to hear the Empire's perspective on things. I, I, I get where that comes from. I get especially early Claudia Gray stuff. You and I have talked about that, along with Jen, some of the novels. Hey, you know, so, some of the troopers didn't know. That that phrase uh, is out there. I, I want the show to, to show the Empire's perspective. And this episode is a, a lot about choice and choosing sides. And I hope this episode communicates that uh, the choice is clear. 
and and that the umpire's perspective is is not one to try to understand. It's one to try to fight. Uh, maybe you need to know where it comes from. Maybe you need to know the people who have that. But it's not to go. I get you. It's to go. I I stand in front of you. And I think this episode, along with this series, but this episode was about that for me, and it jumped off the screen. No, I, I think uh, I think we're probably in in similar places. I thought a lot of what this episode was about was. Uh, this idea of empathy, not just the characters, but really, really the show playing with the audience's empathy. And I think that gets mm-hmm. to the heart of what you're talking about and what we always talk about when we talk about Imperial perspectives. Uh, for me, I, I feel very strongly uh, the Imperials, the, uh, the Empire rather, is mm-hmm. horrific. It is awful. And I'm interested in having empathy for how do people m- get trapped in that system how do mm-hmm. people find themselves justifying what is clearly cruelty how do people uh, find uh, a way to to look away or care only about themselves i love seeing the imperial uh, perspective to understand how individuals mm-hmm. can convince themselves to go along with something that is clearly horrible yeah yeah yeah, this episode it just slapped you in the face. I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. And you said you had two other two other things. So what was the other big picture? Quick, it definitely could work it into the conversation. But I, in terms of an overall reaction, uh, I, I call this Mon Mothma at home. Uh, I personally, Ken Napsack, coming into this series, expected this show to show the Mon Mothma that I knew, thought I knew, and wanted to learn more of, which was a a more sure footed in control, future rebel leader, also a rebel now. And I think that all exists, but this series continues to examine kind of the building blocks of her strength, which includes massive amount of doubt surrounding it, the fear uh, and, and understanding the cost. And I think that's been one of my favorite swerves. That character of Mothma still exists. All that, all the things that I've loved about her over the years and, and written about or read and enjoyed and, and barfed up on a podcast here, all that's there, but they are drilling down on it. And, I went in with a different expectation for the Mothma character. Then some of the interviews started coming out and I was like, yeah, but cool. She's, you know, and I, I enjoy that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. Uh, I've enjoyed that for this character. It's made Mothma even, even more strong for me in the other uh, pieces of media that I enjoy her in. Yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, complexity uh, to, to Mothma. And I definitely love the reminder that, um, it isn't. Uh, it isn't just you. You declare a hero, and you're a strong person, so you're always strong, right? The, yeah. What, yeah. The strength is <laughs> that fear uh, never goes away. Uh, navigating a difficult path never goes away. The strength is to continue despite those truths. So, seeing those truths that she is constantly concerned about the cost mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and constantly battling, you know, uh, personal fear and yet perseveres that's the strength not just mm. I, I the video game drop down men, menu i chose strong character so character's <laughs> always strong done yeah 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 so there you go final note overall powerful note. stuff and yeah we'll, we'll see where our conversation goes there's a, there's a possibility that maybe uh, i made some notes in our in our canon section for the second half of the podcast to maybe talk about some of the mothma stuff and we'll see if we end up uh touching on it but maybe we will come back to it that is a mm possible future tease for the, the rest of this <laughs> podcast uh, listeners uh but for now let's get into uh the big themes the ideas at stake in this episode uh, i'm sure you have a lot of thoughts uh we both hinted at some so where did you mm-hmm. go first what did you feel what hit you the most uh well what hit me the most is is definitely the choice to act the, the choosing of sides and how um the path to there even like you're just saying with the mothma stuff is is um 
racked with things like uh, fear. Uh, everyone has seems fears in these episodes, fears that uh, they are uh, forced to confront, uh, forced to maybe understand or identify in themselves. And, and that kind of ties into the absence of, of hope. And, and, and this rebellions are built on hope guy that we're following around here is uh, walking around a world where, where hope is hard to find. And, and that kind of was the things that grabbed me. Uh, the overall theme of communication, which again, this episode, nobody's listening. And I've already seen it tweet out, tweeted out. Uh, and you connect that to Rogue One and Andor going, uh, do you think any, anyone's listening? Um, mm-hmm. Love that kind of stuff. But the communication angle, uh, Miro trying to discover a quote, nest of relationships, part of gas, perhaps they communicate talking about Marva and Cassian, uh, the communication uh, of the inmates and the prisoners and trying to get information uh, and the isolation that comes from not being heard and how you deal with that kind of is, is a great topic theme for all these other things. How do you choose to act? How do you overcome your fears? How do you find hope in the absence of, 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 of hope? How do you break past your own breaking points or how do you get to them? Uh, uh, communication, community, all keen there. So there you go. That's my theme cards on the table. <laughs> uh, I really, really do uh, like the the idea of communication. I thought that was really uh, central to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of great examples of it, as you're pointing out. Um, you know, I think the scene where Mothman Vell can't fully communicate, they can't have the full conversation. And we'll talk about that revelation of relationships for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, you know, the, that they can't fully communicate and have to put the mask back on like we've seen before. Uh, yeah. Miro and the torture are all about forced communication, right? Uh, senators uh, turning off the lights of their pods to show we're not listening to what Mothma has to say anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edie Karn being uh, obsessed with Cyril's time away when he could ignore her, when he could break communication with her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also talk in much more depth about uh, the Cyril rev- rev- revelations, uh, but you know the, the lengths he's going to try to communicate with uh, Dedra only to be cut off. It is mm-hmm. uh, so much about communication. And I think what's interesting to me about that is it's getting into in a show that is it's a spy thriller right but we're not necessarily getting mission after mission where like a cassian has to you know pretend to be somebody else and charm somebody else it's not like oh you have to get in here and steal this document right like it's not quite like episode of the week you know even the americans has more clear even being is rich with uh, with uh relationships and emotions and subtlety they still have like Often here's here's the mission this week and you do it or you don't. Right. It's not quite that kind of spy thriller just yet, but it is about this central idea that uh, there's an information war. Right. Mm -hmm. ISB is is trying to gather information. They are trying to be successful in knowing all. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is a a kind of uh, how you receive communication. They want to know all the communication. And we see that the empire is very aware that other people can't have communication. ISB needs all the communication so they can control and other people must not have it. Uh, The prisoners, the rebellion, the public must not be able to communicate with one another. Um, And and I feel like that ends up being the spine of this Mm -hmm. episode with Cassian and, and Kino where Cassian is spending the entire episode trying to communicate with the other prisoners, right? Trying to be a hub uh, that collects all of the information that is needed. It's like Dedra and Cassian in this episode are on, on their separate but yeah. parallel in, you know, missions to gather information. And 
you know, you, you, you mentioned it. There's so many ways where we see uh, the prisoners trying to communicate because it's, it's normal for humans. It's normal for a community to need to be able to share, to get a, a big picture outside of ourselves to understand what is happening in the entire community, which therefore affects the individual, right? The hand mm-hmm. signals, the prison rumors, uh, Kino's anger of it, it takes a, a week for one word to get all the way up here. How many hands does it take yeah. uh, for, for one word uh, to get up here? It's really struggling with the lack of communication and the absolute spine of the episode is that Kino wants to cling to this idea that they can mm-hmm. get out. But the mm-hmm. truth is that there's going to be mass murder. Uh, Matt, the, 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 uh, incident that inciting incident that's going to set us into to the big, uh, climax of this arc next week mm-hmm. is a mass murder to silence communication in this thrilling moment at the end of this episode where we're fist pumping at the screen yeah. is a basic form of communication. It's we're yeah. cheering for communication for Kino, just giving Cassian a vital piece of information in the fact that the show has ground us down under mm-hmm. the boot of tyranny so much that we're cheering uh, for a small moment of communication, like a hero just cut off a dragon's head. <laughs> like it's that big yeah. of a deal, you know? Yeah. We're choosing for number, the number 12 is, is what we, <laughs> we fist pumped <laughs> over. Uh, no, everything about it. And, 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 and yeah, the, the stuff with Kino is, is, is perhaps, um, I don't know. I mean, that's why it's jumping out to a lot of people. It's not just the performance. Andy's great. I get that. Uh, he was great in King Kong as the chef, the chef on the ship. I'm telling you, he's great. Um, but uh, it's just the fear in your face, the fear that even the cost of dreaming about freedom is what uh, could cost you everything uh, in, in this uh, prison and even in this world. Uh, and uh, yeah, the need to connect, the need for community. It, it's so key. It's so key to us as, as humans, even my own fight against depression over the years. Um I battle it uh, often by making sure I am more social than I used to be because communication and connection um, uh, help you move, help me move forward. Uh, that's just for me and my journey. But I, I think even that's prevalent in this episode. When you're isolated, uh, you uh, naturally uh, going to feel a little down, a little absence yeah. of hope. And that's what the empire wants. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I so desperately want as much information as possible, particularly when interacting mm. with other humans that sometimes I like have to check myself because I'll, I'll start, <laughs> you know, uh, if I sense that yeah. somebody wants something, but I don't know why I so desperately want to know why. Cause I just feel like that's often like how you resolve things, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, even something as silly as what do you want to do today? Right. And you have conflict. Uh, but yeah. If if you could just say to somebody like, this is why I don't want to go to Disneyland today. You'd be like, oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> so that that really, it really spoke to me. I think, you know, communication is is the first, um, you know, absolute necessity for even the chance of, you know, forward movement and, and mm-hmm. unity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really intriguing mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I, I think for some of the other big picture stuff that you're talking about uh the the idea that really jumped out to me is is empathy um mm-hmm. i've been really intrigued by this show as we've talked about in previous episodes looking at why people are are with the rebellion why they're with the empire uh are is their perspective the very personal are they really worried about the other people trapped in these systems and who will get hurt by it and will i lose someone close to me and 
and people who have become hardened and it's just the ideology, right? And that's all mm -hmm. they're focusing on and they're pushing the personal away yeah. uh, in order to do it. Um, and I think this idea that it, it really ties to that is, is empathy, is just the ability to, to imagine what others are feeling and, and care about it, e e either an individual or to, to mm -hmm. blow it out largely to like, there's this planet somewhere and I've never met the people there, but I have empathy for the horror yeah. that be, befell them. So I think there's a lot going on in the, in this episode that is sort of testing different characters, empathy, showing characters with a lot of empathy, showing characters with a lack of empathy. And I think the, the this episode has been, the whole show has been building to it, but I think this uh, uh, episode really manipulates audience empathy to try to force us to ask questions mm. about how we see people. Uh, is this, is this the, the Deidre Miro file? <laughs> it, it's, it's a Dedra, uh, serial file. So like, I, I have a bunch of stuff that I want to discuss in the actual episode, but honestly, yeah. the, the audience empathy games, uh, yeah. is the juiciest. So let's just go there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, yes, there was the, um, we have been talking and many other people have been talking this whole time about how we are, we, mm -hmm. we know that we probably aren't going to agree with, uh, Dedra Miro's ideology but we've been rooting for her because she is technically correct she is being shut down we are noticing that she's the only woman there she's been told to stay in her lane all these things that naturally make us empathize with her and at the end of last week's episode oh another character that we empathize with bix is suddenly you know in her grasp she's torturing salman pack and and there's that real question of are we going to learn anything mm. about dedra or see something that's going to make us like understand more or you know, yeah. um, and there's that tweet from an article that went around basically saying, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to see any empathy. We did that on purpose. Um, yeah. So yeah. I went into the, uh, the, this episode with that. So there's, there's that game with Dedra that I think comes to a head where, how do we feel having empathized with this woman, watching her be just incredibly lacking in empathy and in fact using the idea of empathy on multiple levels uh, mm -hmm. to viciously uh, torture Bix in a way that we are made to feel. Yeah. But then that that's great and fascinating by itself. Uh, but then I just, I want to talk about the serial of it all and then get your thoughts. Um, Cyril is also a character that we've seen that we've disagreed with his actual actions, right? But we've seen him be, we've we've uh, been offered to relate to him right he's mm -hmm. he's strangely funny in his super mm -hmm. uptight i i tailor my own clothes uh, we already have a little bit of empathy for him mm -hmm. i think in the the first arc but then once we recognize that he has been dominated and demeaned by his mother for his entire life that you can have some empathy for that in mm -hmm. this i think this episode messes with us because we see yet another scene of Cyril can't get through his breakfast crunchies without being <laughs> dominated and demeaned by his mother. And suddenly Cyril has a win in that scene, right? She is yes. just like, you are a piece of bleep. You're useless. Mm -hmm. and he's like, actually I got a promotion and uh, a flip, mm -hmm. a switch flips, right? Uh, and, and suddenly he's got a win. He suddenly has power over his mother for the first time. She's happy with him for the first time. Um, yeah. So, by the time the Dedra and Cyril come together, I think is speaking generally and or, you know, for myself, uh, if you disagree, I understand we've lost all empathy for, for Dedra, right? She's vicious. And we've gained a little bit of empathy in this episode for Cyril. 
And then that swapped again, where suddenly Cyril is an unhinged stalker separated from reality who is yeah. obsessing on Dedra as a woman who is is there to give him validation. He needs her to fit into his fantasy, some extremely disturbing real-life things that we should all be very cautious of. And suddenly, it's flipped again, in my opinion, yeah. where you're like, oh, oh, hey, Ciro, don't do that to our Dedra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 gentlemen of the world listening, uh, I I think it's, it's absolutely a very real world situation going on here with this guy. Uh, it, it was frightening, uh, and 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 this episode it being about the choice to act, choosing of sides. Wow, what a heroic thing to ask, right? And we're looking at our rebels, and we've got some great li- lines from Vel, and a lot of people committing here. I, I think the other side of that is reminding us that these these two characters in particular have chosen as well. And you can try to understand it. Look, the, the Edie Karn stuff is fantastic. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a personal journey for myself, but her selling her uh, protection, her, 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 excuse me, her attachments as protection, uh, the, the uh, helicopter mother, if you will, the overbearing mother, the I, I am, I'm here to look, look what I provided for you. Look what I, what would you do without me? All those kind of things. I love you. Uh, it is it is all sold as protection and it's control. It's emotional torture. Uh, and, and so it's not unlike the empire, safe and secure society, by the way, to me. But yeah, so you start to understand it, uh, but you still have a choice. I think that's what Star Wars likes to remind you. And Cyril has chosen and he's chosen and he's like you said, unhinged, detached from reality. Uh, there's some always him, his slurp. We'll talk about his breakfast cereal slurp, her line <laughs> to him about uh, you weren't, we didn't have a conversation. You were running for questioning. It's very funny on the surface, but it's also very uh, real down below. I, I, I think you're, you're right. And I won't even get to get into the Deidre here, but uh, the, the bad guys have chosen to. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I, I think that everything about Cyril, what you're saying is, is spot on of that just utter the, the cruel the, the way the cruelty manifests i think is what's from his mm-hmm. mother is what is really intriguing about me and you know i think when we're talking about getting imperial perspectives when we're talking about empathy right mm-hmm. uh i think cyril we're really being presented with a character with like i understand the hell that you have gone through that is allowing you or or pushing you to making this these bad choices mm-hmm. but that can't excuse your bad choices right or else we all just like hey anybody else who has had pain you have a license in society to turn around and give other people pain you know in the same way that was inflicted on you so having empathy and understanding the cause so it can hopefully be stopped uh Mm -hmm. healed changed changed, redirected into a, a better path i think that's what's powerful about it because the Edie is setting up a has set up a system where you only have value if I, an external person, gives it to you. Mm-hmm. And Cyril is fighting and fighting and fighting to establish his own uh, inherent value, right? But it doesn't work. Yeah. Nobody's impressed by his tailoring. They mock him for it. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't give a rousing speech. He, he's trying to pick himself up and, and have his own power, but he is not being fulfilled by that. So, in, so he, he pushes his mother away and turns around to this other woman, and said, my mother has made this cruel hole in me where I can only have value if a woman gives it to me. Uh, hey, I'm going to stalk you and tell you, you need 
to give me this mm-hmm. validation. Uh, I, I'm he kind of implies like I was ready to die, but then I realized there was justice and beauty in the galaxy. And just like mm-hmm. here, here, uh, Dedra, you are entirely responsible for my existence. Right. Yeah. And that is a, uh, haunting, upsetting, extremely real world thing. And mm-hmm. I think pointing it out is not to justify it, not to go see, this is why so many men behave poorly. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, but we need to see it, understand it so we can address it. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I, I don't mean it at all. It's like, this is why everybody should be nice to men all the time. Right. Uh, but <laughs> right. I right. think it's like, we have to understand some of, some of the, the roots of, of the problems so that mm-hmm. we can try to ask ourselves as a society, how do we, how do we address that? How do we, how do we take damaged men who've been trained that they can only get validation by demanding a woman give it to them? How can we stop that? Cause that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And, and, and the, the feel, the feeling that you have the right to take it is mm-hmm. flows out of this one there. Yeah. And understanding the steps that lead to this does not uh, justify where it goes. Absolutely. Uh, no confusion there. Um, and it, 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 it was, um, it was perhaps one of the most haunting scenes for me personally, just to just to see where it goes and and, and um, how DJ is re- reacting to it. We'll find out, and that's a little different. And and uh, it was interesting, just even from her perspective. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it all part of this part of this theme, and and, and made Edie uh, <laughs> made Edie pretty scary for me too. Yeah, I, I just thought I thought it was extra powerful because this is the episode where for the first half you're like, okay, well, I understand why we empathized with with Dedra, but we can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're literally seeing new information about Cyril through her eyes, in my opinion, maybe other people experienced yeah. it differently, mm-hmm. but we, I think we kind of expected, you know, Cyril to find some clever manipulation to be uh, brought into the ISB, brought into the empire, you know, right. um, we almost ex- expected to see his fantasy that he describes, uh, you know, work out of like, I bring you this valued information and, you know, I, and, and, and Dedra's like, yes, we both believe in the empire. Great. Let's shake hands and work together. Yeah, yeah. And it, so we're almost living through his fantasy of that's kind of what we expect. And instead there's this like, Hey, wait, is he a stalker? And that's yeah. literally like we're asking ourselves that as the audience is that is literally crossing Dedra's face or suddenly we're back with empathizing with her. We're literally asking the same question she is. Mm. Yeah, no, even go- going back to um, it's, I-, I love that you said about like we almost expect it maybe in other properties we would get this or even maybe even other Star Wars stories might get it. Who knows of, of when he's like, I could be of use to you that you expect her to be like, oh, this guy could be of use to us. I like that in this episode. She's like, I didn't get you promoted. I, I give you cleaned your record up and you know, uh, I could have you punished, right? I could be arrested right now. She keeps saying, no, I didn't do any of this. And him being like, yes, my dream's coming true. Yeah. Just a total, a total separation from reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like he's yeah. still thinking that that conversation was something it wasn't. So I guess I, I'm, part of what I'm curious about is, did you, did you feel uh, manipulated is a, a strong word? And I don't mean it in a negative way. Cause I think the, the the writing team is making you know uh, mm-hmm. distinct specific choices to make it the show engaging and powerful but did you feel any sort of emotional whiplash uh, of your empathy in which characters you are relating to uh you know being whipped around how did that affect you i i i think it affected me more with with miro miro in this episode um only because yeah i i've been one of the ones too saying we both said it but like i right from the get-go of like what that kind of like her <laughs> like this is kind of <laughs> weird uh and, and to have the the shoe drop and i think i definitely was expecting it and both of these um 
uh, paths taken by these characters are not necessarily surprising. I think I was um, relieved if is a weird word, but I'll say it is relieved with Karn to be like, oh yeah, no, this what we what we thought is what we're getting with this uh, this guy. A uh, mm-hmm. bit of a sociopath, bit of all those things. And again, I'm saying those terms to say, like, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. Um, but now we know what we're dealing with and maybe we can deal with it. But her on the other side, yeah, no, I, I, I'm she's she's terrifying uh, and terrifying in ways she hasn't previously been. I thought early on, too, I thought she's uh, she's definitely a believer, definitely imperial. But I didn't know what she would do in the field, right? And we start to see that slowly unravel. She's great, uh, intense in the office, getting what she wants, wins the office politics wars, which is, I think, we're all kind of cheering for. Uh, at least I was. Um, see that shoe drop for her uh, was also kind of, I, I get what we're dealing with. But um, I'm still, you know, it's still, it's, it's so good that just as a fan, I'm like, uh, I want to see, see her succeed so that then she could also die. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm really interested to see where the show takes it with, you know, if we ever get a sense of she there there's no flashy origin story. She was just born, mm-hmm. you're not we're not born, but raised in the empire, you know, you know, yeah. uh, raised during the clone wars, the the republic was right, the empire is right, and anybody who defies it is wrong and uh, we are justified in lying, mm-hmm. killing, torturing because the, the, we are we are we are the right, we are the might, and anybody who challenges that deserves what they get. If there's any motivation for that, or if she's just bought in, that she's yeah. all ideology and not, not there's no personal motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah. She is a, an uh, utterly fascinating character. And I think another just part of our w- desire to see things from her perspective is she, we're introduced to her understanding the rebels, right? She understands mm-hmm. how they would build their system, which makes us ask, Okay, if she understands how they would build their system, does she understand why they would do it? And the answer mm. appears to be that she doesn't give a damn. <laughs> doesn't care. Yeah. You're, you're doing it. Yeah. 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 Um, no empathy. Um, so it, I think I think when we're talking about empathy and in, in, in your headline of, uh, uh, you know, how people are making choices, I think mm. we're, we're talking very similarly about the same things because I think, yeah. to me, the idea of who has empathy and who doesn't is leading to what choices they're making, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the, the the spine of this episode, the prison story, to me is just totally about empathy, right? Um, we are asked mm-hmm. as the audience to have empathy for Olaf. Clearly, everybody working that mm-hmm. table has uh, empathy for Olaf. I think it was a mm-hmm. big deal that we knew the fact that uh, one table uh, loses every day and gets shocked. But seeing that they don't get, we saw it this episode, right? We, the audience, yeah, we see it, saw yeah. it. And we saw the prisoners seeing it, which mm. the last episode almost had this like air where you could maybe marvel at uh, the Empire's successful uh, manipulation of humans' ability to gamify everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. we can keep them in line by turning it into a game. And then this episode almost said, can we though? Because they have empathy and how far can you push this cruel game before empathy breaks it? That's what I was thinking about when I saw the prisoners seeing the shock and looking away and not being able to go, yeah, it's, it's us or them. Like they can up to a point, they don't want to be shocked, Mm -hmm. but is that driving people apart or is it driving them together? Because one day it's that team shocked. The next day it's going to be you. And pretty soon that us versus them game they've created 
how long is that going to last before it breaks? You know, uh-huh. and and that's the ultimate structure of uh, of the episode of Kino being somebody who clearly has empathy, so much empathy that he yeah. you know punches Melshi for for claiming that people are just going to die here. And when he finally sees it, when he sees Olaf mm-hmm. die and learns everybody in this prison is going to die, the the thought of getting out is a lie. Mm-hmm. I think it's the empathy that leads to that fist bumping mo- moment that leads to that choice you're talking about. No, I, I think you're right. I, I want to dive into that a, a little bit here. And yeah, I, Luthen wasn't in this episode, but I, I hear his voice going, "Oppressions breed rebellion." Uh, absolutely, uh, I think they were being uh, the, the inmates are kind of pulled together. The fact that they're even communicating uh, around there is interesting. To see, like, so the doctor comes in, and, and we talk about the choice to act and the choosing of sides, focusing on the choosing of sides. There's cost, there's fear, there's all those things we can discuss. Absence of hope. But you talk about uh, Deidre uh, Mero, talk about Cyril Karn. I would describe them as having a lack of empathy for others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that doctor who his he probably had the empathy uh, beat out of him. Uh, it's probably a defense mechanism, uh, refusing to use Olaf's name because he just doesn't want to know it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen him before. And you go down a checklist of everyone in this episode, the inmates, uh, Kino Loy, focusing on him, Mon Mothma, Vel, uh, Bix, uh, Pack, even if you want to talk about it, they're all giving up information against their will. These are all people with empathy, and that leads them to a certain choice. And I think that tracks to the real world. It's one of my arguments that I've had with a lot of po- people around, <laughs> around me. Trace the empathy. Follow the money. Follow the empathy. Where does that lead you? Once you connect to that, once you connect to that concept, what that word truly means and how it has everything to do with people that aren't you, uh, that leads you to make big choices and certainly go in a certain direction. I think, I find. Cyril has none. Um, uh, uh, we even talked earlier, I, you know, the, the early episodes, the the murder of two uh, employees, It's I, 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 there's a lack of empathy in everything he's talking about that. Uh, for me, it wasn't just that he wants to maybe use it for promotion, but it had a different feel than someone else who would be like, hey, t- t- two of my buddies are dead. You know, like that's not different feel. Mira, different feel. Uh, I think your theory is right there. I think empathy is 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 a connective thread that leads you to certain directions. Yeah, no, I think I love what you're saying to connecting it back to those early episodes, because that isn't Cyril isn't like having empathy over like, you know, they had families. I had lunch with them. Like he's even told by his boss, like, uh, they're not good guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. good at their job. And uh, this guy had to do something really, really awful to get bumped down from the job he had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't about the personal. It is about Cyril uh, investing with all of his soul in the us versus them ideology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that, uh, you know, uh, is always we give, uh, try to give a little bit of an awooga warning when we go into real world stuff. But I think that is absolutely reflecting real world stuff of, mm-hmm. Uh, I think most people uh, have a tendency toward empathy. Most people will be kind to their literal neighbor if they truly see them in pain, right? But when you blow that up to a larger context and you get into things like social programs, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I I know they can always, uh, you know, social programs can always be made better, but a lot of the debate isn't about how can we make this social program better? It's, uh, you want to have a social program because you have empathy and the idea that this will help everyone. Yeah. And the way to get people to not want to help one another is to make that people an other, to make it an us versus them. Oh, this social program is just about other people taking things from me. If you can get people to believe that they won't support helping one another. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 No, uh, I think it's very clear in the, 
the real world. We'll we'll keep the the examples uh, for another show. But yes, um, yeah, and and that's something that's led to. Uh, it's very personal for me, where it's just like once I started realizing, yeah, this is what's in my heart. This idea for the not just the greater good is some. Um, a philosophy that could fit on a bumper sticker, but the actual actually feel and listen to uh, the pain of others and understand it. And that will drive you. It doesn't mean that Kino doesn't have a personal stake. And I had some hope of getting out. We'll talk about that, but that's on display. And the, the Olaf death is so personal for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to keep, I just want to get back on his feet. He's got 40 shifts left. Uh, you know, all that stuff there. And you have a doctor that's, um, you know, I, I, I don't hold him accountable. I, he's probably had a beat out of him. How many, how many people has he seen in this position? How many people has he put those shots into to kill his time there? Obviously he's a doctor in prison. Yeah. You know, like, uh, that's what he was probably signed. So fascinating, fascinating stuff, but I think you're right. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think, uh, the, I think Medtech Razif, I think was his name in, in the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, in Kino are in a similar place. They have their defense mechanisms in place. But I think yeah. seeing, almost seeing the med tech mirror his defense mechanism in his mm-hmm. face, Kino of like, yeah, just just stay hard, stay tough. You know, uh, yeah. having the lie of we'll get out of here and, and Olaf only needs to make it 40 shows, that having that lie exposed was big. But I think having that, like seeing that like Olaf is dying, this is his last moment and we can't even use his name. That's mm-hmm. how much... Uh, I've allowed my humanity be, to be stripped away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's real powerful. Yeah. And, and, and then uh, I'd love to talk about some of the other kind of instances of, of empathy or lack of it leading to people's choices. I think that, mm-hmm. that a torture scene with Bix is extremely effective uh, from the buildup of uh, kind of at the end, that came uh, the end of that long, long opening scene, like six minutes long mm-hmm. where Bix is sort of like, Hey, if I lie to you, if I tell you the truth, you're probably going to torture me either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that'd be like, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. And then the, the whole idea of that torture, I'm fascinated with it because it is bringing in this, this more bizarre sci-fi fantasy alien uh, side of star Wars, uh, but for the horrific meaning of it, right? It, yeah. It's not, it, Gorst is using empathy as a weapon. It's beyond just not yeah. having empathy. It's, knowing other people do so using it as a weapon before mm-hmm. he even puts the the space headphones on bix right mm-hmm. telling her the story is using empathy as a weapon uh telling her specifically that it's children right yeah. it is attacking her empathy and then i have to think whatever uh bizarre space fantasy thing is going on that that you know hb lovecraft kind of horror thing of the, this sound mm-hmm. drives you mad it has to be about empathy, right? It has to be something that's like successfully communicating the utter unacceptable levels of, of horror. And all of that is about empathy. And I think it, it really drills down on it because it's a very interesting and different choice of shot where as the horror begins, Bix looks directly in the camera mm-hmm. into our eyes and makes it impossible for us to look away. It's another one of the ways that I thought this episode was really going beyond just what, what, what do the characters feel about empathy to trying to make us feel it? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's empathy as a weapon is, is, is a great point. And, and it's this, uh, it is upset as a lot of breaking points. Uh, suffering used as torture was just particularly cruel. This Dr. Gorse, man, serial mm. killer, buddy. Uh, uh, but yep. also uh, in terms of just a great acting performance to, to just really sell what's going on. And, oh, God. and these ones are, we, we definitely their children like what uh effing psycho and and that uh 
there you go. That's your imperial perspective. Uh, very, uh, very effective. And I, I, I like, yeah, because it's just eyes. You can see your face. Uh, the, the, the scrunching, the pain in her forehead uh, was particularly effective, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of other shots where, you know, Star Wars characters don't generally look directly in the camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it might have bumped, but I think that was that was part of it of like w- trying to make us really see what is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to talk about Mothman and Vel a little bit. You, you're talking about their choices. Vel, I think, has one of the, the clearest lines of the episode of the show <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about yeah. what she's choosing and, and why. But I feel like in contrast to, to the horror show of, of Bix and, and the prison, even though Mothman and Vel are trapped, that, that everything there is, is going is defined by by empathy. This is the first time we get we get to see Mothma have someone who knows her, sees her in her entirety, you know, and yeah. that is about empathy. Absolutely. Uh, the great shot of, 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 it all ends with that Mon Mothma shot for Val leaves just alone, isolated, fearful, but to, to lead up to that, some great stuff. We've chosen Sai. We're to fight against the dark. We're making something of our lives. Mind you, these are two very rich people. Mothma is very influential. Maybe we'll see. The Senate seems to be hard, a hard place to get things done these days. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it just the just the 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 great cost. This is the absence of hope, all that kind of fearful stuff. But I, I as a topic sentence <laughs> theme, it was a great scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, Mothma's speech is the lights go out. <laughs> it was about yeah. broken communication too, but it was also about mm-hmm. like she's saying real basic things, right? Our first responsibility is the citizens who sent us here, this government of democracy that we set up, this this place matters, it's a temple. And the lights just go out a symbolic way to say, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Right. And it's, it's what, it's what Mothma, Mothma could do. Mothma could, you know, if she didn't have such care for the galaxy, if she was not able to say like, you know, I don't know if she's met the Gormans. I don't know if she has a great background with them, but she has empathy for their entire society. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. she cannot turn away from that. She could absolutely, she could be given pro Palpatine speeches with her, you know, soaring oratory, oratory skills, every day and have everything she could imagine except for she would be broken inside because she, she needs to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that line too, of the, uh, her kind of speaking of the, the sanctity of the Senate, even just the chambers uh, referring to as the temple, whether or not she absolutely hundred percent believes that anymore at this point in her life, I don't know, but it's there and her just trying to so that, that to me is an empathy moment, right? Uh, like don't, don't, don't you have empathy for the people that put you here? The people that voted you here? Uh, isn't yeah. that why we're here? Uh, I thought that yeah. was pretty fascinating. I think she has like deep belief in democracy. You know, I think it's yeah. why she's like, hey, the Jin's right, but I got to let the Alliance vote the way they're going to vote. I'm not going to be, you know, yeah. I believe in democracy. Right. I, I think she knows that she's, mm-hmm. that scene was so great. Cause like, you know, she, when she's uh, uh, feeling her strength and, in, in, in getting, getting pay on her side, you know, she's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm just being an irritation. Right. So she kind of yeah. knows that this speech is not going to go anywhere. She's just being an irritation. Right. Yeah. But it's still hurting her soul to be confronted with this utter lack of empathy uh, mm. and the loss of communication and everybody in the Senate being so beaten down and, and you know, falling in line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've still, I'm still waiting though. Side note, still waiting to just cut to uh, Masamita sitting up there in the center, but not, oh, not, not today. Not today. I, I, I paused and put my nose right up to the screen. <laughs> there's, there's, the, there's a pixel there. That might be Pixel Palpatine. I'm holding out for Pixel Palpatine. Yeah. 
Oh, he he's not there. He's 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 uh, yeah. He's studying uh, cult magazines about Exegol. Oh, you want to move to Exegol? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think um, we'll talk about it. I'm sure in some of the comedy moments. Uh, but just having Vel there really reconnected us to to Mothma's just you know kind, beating human heart. Right. Her mm-hmm. worry about Vel, her fear that they're in too deep and and how much people are going to suffer. But also just in this house that we've reminded uh, again and again that she's trapped in, that her husband and her daughter don't really like her at all, which we're reminded again, they hate her guts and they've been reminded again. And she has this cousin who not only knows her truth, but validates her with that zing to Perrin, right? So we get to see Mothma validate a little bit you know we've had different conversations places about is Bail Organa going to show up and I've, I've been like I want him to because I want Mothma to mm. have an interaction with somebody who knows her who sees her and I kind of got that with Vel and I was thrilled by it yeah no it was uh that's it's yeah no you're right it's 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 warm right it's it's a it's it's a tiny fist bumpy moment of Vel saying that line well the good ones are taken uh I loved everything uh, uh about that reveal and, and what that leads and you know are are they cousins I look I once auditioned for uh family feud as my friend's family's cousin I it was just a friend of mine I don't know I'm I'm, I'm curious to know even more about their history uh and uh, what do I take for as fact and what do I take as uh, cover yeah, I mean, it seemed uh, it seemed genuine to me because mm-hmm. of how clearly uh, uh, Vel knew exactly who Tay was, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. And with you know uh, Mothma's great line about "Please just go be a spoiled rich girl for a little while. Please just be seen around Dendrilla, uh, yeah. being being who they expect us to be, who we've been raised to be." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah no, I, I yeah, um, I, I agree with that absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm just curious to. Uh, I think I want to start. I want uh, Luthen to to start telling the stories of how we found everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, and there's and, and I think that was that was a great reveal that they are related or mm-hmm. or you know possibly masquerading as being mm-hmm. related as you're saying. I, I sensed it is is true. Um, yeah, yeah, but I still sense that there's been something deeper with Luthen. So mm-hmm. you know what that relationship is and how that all all crosses. If it is just you know in allegiance to Mothma as well, knowing he's risking Mothma's family. Mm-hmm. It'll be fascinating to see. You've mentioned a couple of times that this is an episode full of breaking points. I really agree with that. What did you think about the idea of, of breaking points in this episode? Uh, just, you know, again, we're, we're trying to, you know, the, so, all right. So again, pull out a pamphlet. So you want to choose to fight for the good side. Uh, <laughs> we are all then faced with the fears. There's the fears of everyone in the cause. Again, there's the fear of the inmates. Uh, even the cost of dreaming about freedom is is uh, there. We're all suffering um, from absence of, of of hope. I think that's the nobody listening exclamation point kind of uh, idea that's going on there, though Cassin uses it in a little bit different. But I think all that leads to when are you going to break? Uh, it's sad. Uh, gr- great performance to watch uh, Olaf's body uh, and soul slowly break throughout this mm. episode. Um, very effective down to eye twitches and groans and grunts and you just see it. Uh, and and he's holding on for this idea of of freedom, Bix. Uh, you know what? Because it's um, you know we've seen it in Star Wars. Uh, you know we know that Leia was tortured, Han was tortured, Poe was tortured, and 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 Kylo gets the information out of uh, out of him. And and this is obviously um, a, a little bit more um, you know intense uh, <laughs> version of it. But to see her kind of be like 
I don't think she goes in like a typical, like I ain't going to tell you nothing type attitude, but she's ready to fight. She's trading some barbs as she can with, with, with Miro. But to know that, that what's going to break it again, this empathy, uh, what you have, things that might lead you to the good side could also be used against you. Uh, she breaks. Pac broke. The rebel pilot breaks, by the way, real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the information. They got it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Dr. Gorse just told him the story of where the recordings came from, and it sounded like that Rebel Pilot was like, okay, good, okay. fine. Yep. Yeah, uh, so um, Kino has perhaps uh, the biggest one, and, and that's that's uh, w- when he breaks, it, it, it uh, to me, reconnects him with his, uh, or moves him forward, I should say, not reconnects. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just fascinating to to uh, have have different angles uh, of looking at how we break and when we break and what causes us to break. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I think you know with Bix, a similar thing is going on in the prison of like we are, we are taking away options and options and options, and of course people are going to break when you when you take away all of their options, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think there's a great contrast where you know Edie Karn goes on about almost breaking uh, when Cyril was away mm, <laughs> he's a, mm. just what if I'd let you ne- your neglect drive me insane uh you know so to see the contrast of like this just you know guilt monster helicopter parent <laughs> yes yeah uh using that idea of I could have broken under the pressure of you not calling me enough uh mm, mm. to see this her use fault. that yeah mm-hmm. to see her use that in contrast to seeing you know good people actually tortured yeah <laughs> worked death it makes made me hate Edie even more <laughs> yeah yeah working through some issues with Edie uh <laughs> you're not alone you're not alone it's probably obvious uh yeah uh I still agree with with Kino we, we've mm. talked about it a, a bunch but I really love the picture of him here here that he is clinging to this defense mechanism I don't think this entire mm. episode believed wholeheartedly that people would get out right there's there's those all these lingering mm. doubts like mm-hmm. that's what he needs to believe you know i think that's why he uh, overreacts so much for a guy who's in control and you know punches melshi yeah. in the gut uh mm-hmm. because melshi makes that really dark comment of you know guessing that everybody on the second level has been killed and says uh, they set them all free and yeah. you know just you know turns on immediately uh breaks breaks character right and i think it's because melshi is is pushing on the defense mechanism right yeah. and when the defense mechanism of no, 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 if we play the game, if we do the system, we'll get out, we'll get out. Uh, This is how many days different people have left. Olaf will live. It'll be fine. When that gets punctured, you know, that is his breaking point. Yeah. It it was just really effective. Well played indeed. Uh, And all that, all those kind of surface level looks at it, but I mean, it it just kind of, it's, I think we all can get to that point and, and, and we all want to, uh, hope for uh, a better tomorrow. What's the line? Uh, Cassie has a line about it. It uh, says something about it's just another day uh, or always the next day, he says there. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and, and, and see Kino, who is, uh, especially when we meet him, you're like, who's this brutal a hole? Like, come on, man. And, and you're in there for some reason too. And, it, you know, I'm doing this because I'm almost out of here. So you mm-hmm. listen to me so I can get out of here. And of course he's going to deny that. I thought it was a pretty effective scene, the quiet conversation earlier, but maybe you ever dreamed about getting out of here. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to, I got 217 days left. I totally get it. It's totally mm-hmm. just realistic to be like head down, all good until morning. 
Uh, and then once you kind of connect with that, again, we're talking about the idea of empathy, but to see him fight that, I, that's what, so I, that, that's some of my favorite writing was, was the, you know, how many guards, how many guards, how many guards? And finally the final answer being no more than 12. Uh, oh man, it just, it really worked and it, you can, um, Take it into your own uh, your own life, your own real world. Uh, the breaking points of when you're going to finally commit, when all the costs are weighed, uh, are you going to make something of it, and when you, how are you going to commit? Yeah, yeah, and you know, are, are there moments where we uh, fall into systems, cling to our defense mechanisms, and go and say it's not happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> or it will get better tomorrow? Uh, and you know, there's somebody saying like, yeah, maybe it won't, and 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 importantly like melshi starts right when he when he when we meet him he rushes up to cassian in the last episode and just like give up all hope right yeah and and there there's no uh shortage uh, of people out there who will point out everything that is broken and tell you to give up all hope uh yes. what we need is what cassian is doing in, in this episode it's like uh, i don't want to die in here and mm-hmm. we don't deserve to die in here so let's gather information let's work together let's make mm-hmm. a plan that's mm-hmm. what's fist pumping, right? Not just the acknowledgement that everything sucks. Because yeah. if you stop there, what do you got? It's the plan. Well, it's the yeah, action. It, it's the yeah. doing something together. That's uh, and, fist pumping. And what I love that you you talked about it so earlier, but what, so to to just shortly address it, like again to see him talking to not even the people at his table, but he goes to that other guy. Uh, now, hey, what does he say? It, it, it's I've, you start to see. Cassian, the rebel, Cassian, the, the leader of a spy network, Cassian, the leader, the maybe what Luthan saw in him more than a, 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 a piece of equipment stolen from a steer guard. I, I did really enjoy that. Uh, and I think it played really well with what you talk about of, of not to say anything bad about Melshi, but you're right. So much of like, uh, we're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm really curious to see how, how this affects Cassian going forward, because obviously he wants out of the prison. He's sure he's restless. Uh, he's clever and motivated and can bring people together and all that. And I think he'd want out of the prison regardless of ideology. He just doesn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to die in there. Uh, but th- the specific thing that's going on, right. Uh, the, the revelation from the med tech at the end, he, he says a man who was just released on four ended up back on two the next day word got out in the floor and then they killed them all. So they didn't kill them for misbehaving. They didn't kill them for rioting. The empire killed them because if, if people for communicating Mm -hmm. and if, and the fear of what if they, what if any of these prisoners ever gets released and they communicate to anyone else in the galaxy, the utter horror of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. that might cause rebellion that communication might bring people together. It is a fear of people, to, you know, uh, coming together. It's a fear of information. And I'm curious if, if Cassian's going to internalize that of like, they do have a weakness. Mm-hmm. They fear us coming together. They fear us knowing the truth. They fear us spreading the truth. So that's what I'm going to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah. It was really uh, effective. Final thought for me is I, I thought that it was, you know, mostly setting up stuff to come, but I did think it was another sort of breaking point where, you know, Tay, after, you know, having some struggles to make the money stuff work is basically like a kind of corrupt gangster figure <laughs> with a straight up Star Wars gangster name of Davos Golden. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I loved it. I love Tay. I love all the Mothma stuff. Like I said, to, to see her here and, and again, a sense of uh, not complete control. Um, we know her as very calm and serene. She's played that way because of uh, 
uh, what we saw in Return of the Jedi, uh, Rogue One, very similar as well. Uh, not that there's not a lot going on. I love that about Mothma, but to see, to see this and and and, and to see this uh, the great name. Uh, by the way, side note, I was laughing of uh, you know Andor is not supposed to you know it, it's a different kind of Star Wars. Uh, I keep hearing on the internet uh, over there, but that is a Star Wars name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Someone's seen a Star Wars film. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just, there's something about it. I love that it ain't going to be easy. It, it can't be clean, but you still have the choice of, of how, uh, how you do the fight. I think the stuff last week of, of, of connection, uh, Luthen, um, saying that stuff to saw, I think, I think you made a great point, Joseph of, uh, great saw you've been doing this for how many years now? And what have you actually accomplished? That's important. That's important. Mm-hmm. But now we have uh, Mothma in her own home realizing, oh, God, this is not uh, it's not going to be easy. Um, and she's got to do it. Love it. Yeah. Part of the I, cost. I, I, yeah. Have to, yeah. What What is the cost? Uh, here's another breaking point. I have to work mm-hmm. with uh, Davo Scalden, who is like one step up from Jenks mean pants. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope we see him. And I hope it's some really cool stunt casting that they kept secret like circus. Oh yeah, you yeah. know. Oh yeah, oh man, that's really fun to 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 think. Who who is this going to be? A uh, Nick Cage's entrance into Star Wars? Like that's how that's how far I've gone. I have to work with uh, absolutely wild eyed uh, Nick Cage, and I say that as a fan of his recent work, uh, the recent genre he's created, where uh, Nick Cage loses his mind. That genre of films. Here's my wild prediction, because it's Tony Gora. It's Matt Damon. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be a phenomenal performance if Mothma's like, it's come to this. I have to work with vile villain Matt Damon. Uh, don't hold me to that. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are going to take a quick break as we find some joy in this very hard episode of Andor. We'll be back in a moment. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. 
Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue discussing episode nine of Andor. Nobody's listening, an upsetting title uh, for a podcast. <laughs> uh, we talked about a lot of the big ideas. I'm sure we'll revisit them as we get into some of the, the nuts and bolts. Uh, we always like to talk about uh, canon surprises, fun connections. I didn't think there was um, really a, a ton going on in, in this episode. We had a, a mention of uh, Kafreen, the Ring of Kafreen, where uh, Rogue One, we, we start out seeing mm-hmm. Andor there and the, the sad fate of uh, Tivik. So mm-hmm. that to me felt fun because it didn't feel just like we are making references specifically to Rogue One, which this show is a prequel to, but also mm-hmm. but setting up uh, Kafreen's place in the galaxy. How did you feel about the Kafreen mention? Oh, uh, what fun. What fun. No, I actually did like it. I think it's effective in the way you're talking about there. Um, and I think that uh, to me, it's a lot of, there's a level of connections that I like uh, and some that I'm like, yeah, cool. They said a thing I know. I get that feeling, but this was, uh, it, it felt, it felt lived in and earned like the rest of Andor. Yep. Yep. That That's a place that uh, has some amount of free movement. Um, another sort of canon thing that I absolutely loved. I haven't checked on the internet, but I'm sure there are multiple uh, comparison tweets there, and people are slamming the retweet buttons. Mm. Uh, the Imperial torture door slam matching shot with A New Hope. Um, mm. that was great to me, partially because that's just always been one of my favorite shots in A New Hope. Yeah. Um. You know, here in Andor, the Bix's torture is happening and the door slams down and the camera kind of swoops up and follows some feet. Uh, camera comes down with the door. Um, and then we, we have that with Leia's torture. And it's a cool shot. It brings home kind of like the horror of the torture without, you know, sort of uh, graphically spending more time with the tortured person. Uh, and I've always liked this shot in A New Hope, but I think I really like it here because of, honestly, some of the discourse. Um, Mm. where people who are enjoying Andor, which I'm thrilled by, have, you know, 
you know, random people have been, you know, saying things like it's, this is great Star Wars because it's not Star Wars or mm. finally Star Wars gets real and all that. And, and I really get where that's coming from because Andor is drilling down into these ideas and, and making it so you can't look away. Uh, but I've also been really fascinated because these ideas that people are really intrigued by in Andor are being executed differently, but the ideas have always been, have always been there. Mm-hmm. And to see a shot in Andor that's a brutal episode about torture and this shot is reminding us like, Hey, remember that first bouncy, fun, good versus evil breath of fresh air film, <laughs> star Wars in 1977, uh, Leo Organa was tortured and we had a shot like this to remind us of it. We didn't, yeah. we didn't linger on it in the film. We moved on. Uh, but it's a reality of the character for, for Leia, right? It's, it's in, yeah. Going back to the beginning, it's in the that first uh, EU expanded universe novel, Splinter Minds Eye, she thinks about it. Thinks right. about it a ton in, in books and comics and publishing now. It's a huge deal that she was viciously tortured. And that one shot to me really connected all those thoughts of like, yep, it always hasn't been portrayed as explicitly, mm. but the idea has always been there in Star Wars if you want to go back and think about it that way. Yeah, no, uh, uh it is weird to say I love the reference to torture new hope and it's weird, it's weird to say but no um yeah it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be part it's start part of the discussion around and or now and it will probably be for a little bit the idea of it uh I, I yeah I, maybe we'll have a deeper discussion I absolutely love what's going on I absolutely don't understand some of the positive comments about it that uh, seem to uh, challenge the rest of stars i don't know it's a, it's a weird dance but uh, i'm with you on, on 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 shots like that yeah yeah um uh, any other any other thoughts on <laughs> torture callbacks or are you ready to move on <laughs> we can move on from torture callbacks excellent uh so i i there wasn't a lot of other canon stuff for me so i i wanted to ask about specifically you know i think you and i are saying we love everything about uh mothma scene that she has all this strength uh but here's all of the the pain and the loss and the fear that she needs to go through uh in order to retain that strength but how are you feeling at this point about the picture of mothma's role in building the rebellion um obviously we know she comes to take it over. She uh, becomes the figurehead. She gives the speech in, in Rebels that is the call to the galaxy saying, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, the Emperor is a tyrant and he needs to be fought. You know, yeah. who, who's in, right? Clearly, clearly uh, the leader. Um, but, you know, there's the the cutscenes in, in Revenge of the Sith, the, the kind of early formation mm-hmm. of the rebellion mm-hmm. that suggests Mothma was in on the ground floor. Uh, those are cutscenes. And now we're getting this dialogue where Mothma says uh, to Vel, I'm starting to think we're in over our heads. He's got a spinning. Uh, Vel mm-hmm. says, stop, you took a vow. Um, I, I I kind of interpret he as Luthen mm-hmm. um, because he's, she's been talking about the mission that Vel is on. I guess you could interpret he as Palpatine, but uh, I interpret it as Luthen. And there's no hard, this is not a, wow, news alert, cannon change. But there's the for me, the possibility to suggest that Mothma is just there in the Senate. She knows everything's wrong. She's trying to make things better in the Senate. Maybe she's given a little bit of money here and there or whatever. She's doing legitimate charity. And Luthen's the one who says, this is a revolution. This is a rebellion. I'm recruiting you, Mon Mothma. Um, I'm not saying, again, that that is what is being said. But I feel like that idea is being 
that interpretation is possible. Do you agree with that possible interpretation? And if so, how do you feel about it? I, I actually, I'll say I 100% agree with you on that. I think it is a spiritual shift in some of the canon of Mothma, emotional and literal. Um, having recently just studied her for a project I did for, for, for fandom, uh, going from what you're talking about, the dele- delegation of 2000, which Padme and or- Bail Organa and Mothma were part of, and Palpatine's uh, problems with them, and many of those senators being removed when he came into power in, in, in not-so-nice ways. Uh, there is something that uh, that this show is, is playing with, uh, as I'll say. And I'm with you, too. I don't think it's a uh, giant cannon switch. I think there's a lot of room. We're at, what, 14, 15, 14 years, right, uh, mm-hmm. of room? Uh, we got Bale saying stuff. Uh, look, even Bale and Kenobi, I think it connects in a way of we're still trying. There's ways to care. There's ways to to do this. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's getting harder. The Empire grows stronger every day. He's saying that a few years prior to this. So I really actually agree with you. I, I love what they're doing. And, and, it, and it unfolds um, some more, you know, exposes uh, some more layers to Mothma and makes the decisions more powerful, like I said, up, up top. But it does challenge my view of 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 the story a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and not just because we haven't heard Luthen before. I get the show comes out when it comes out. Uh, you mm-hmm. can't go back in time uh, and add him in, but he was there. I think there's a lot of room for that. Maybe she tried something here with this cell. Maybe she did try with Saw, but eh, their, their battle started early on. Saw's actions have already some of the ones that we're familiar with him rocket launching kids has already mm-hmm. happened. Um, so I think there's some room. But I'll say this, since you brought it up, I'll say it. I, it is one of the things, if you're so super proud of uh, not watching Star Wars, uh, just make sure you're connecting with it. And I think Tony Gilroy has already said some things in interviews that he's aware of her Gorman speech. He's aware of the moments. He's not lost on the timeline. Uh, Pablo, notice Pablo is tweeting out about this show, show more than anything he's tweeted out in, about in years. It's not as big of a credit as he got in Obi Wan, like literally physically, but it's the exact same credit as Obi Wan. Yeah, it, it's it, you know he, he I think he got a, a screen to himself in uh, in Obi Wan, <laughs> lore advisor, but the same exact credit, lore advisor Pablo Dago is in the Andor credits. So all that to say, I think it all tracks, it connects. It's it's the math. You and I had the discussion about the tales of, of Jedi canon debate, uh, not the representation debate, but the can, the canon changes debate. I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm interested about it because it is different. It is different. It's adding a little bit more of her. I always say, eh, it feels like she's behind the eight ball. And, and, and it does feel like that at times. And I think we're going to get to the point where she makes more choices. But I was even thinking about Rogue One. How she's played in Rogue One is very similar to, to, to um, Rebels, but also more importantly, Return of the Jedi. Uh, Genevieve Varelli says she thinks about uh, Caroline uh, Blankenstein, uh, Blankenstein's uh, performance every time she she dons the, the Mothma gear. I think that shows in this. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm fascinated by it, but I, I actually think you're very right. It's a bit, uh, it adds to the story right now. Yeah. And I think I, I really just want to uh, have patience and see how much of Luthen's backstory they're willing to, willing, that they're going to reveal. Um, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we've had this slow revelation with Mothma. We've seen the the husband and the daughter, Perrin and Lita, and then we've understood mm-hmm more about how much Chandrillan traditions are important, how, how long oh, yeah. she's lived this life. Uh, you know, the, we even got the great sort of canon, canon confirmation that, 
that Lita feels that Tay is an old boyfriend. That's <laughs> Mel's like, hey, you gonna do <laughs> you gonna do, yeah. do anything about that? And Mothman yeah. got the I got enough problems. Yeah. Um yeah. so we my point is we are learning more and more about Mothma. We are lo- learning more and more about Luthen. And I think uh I I really perk up at the suggestion that mm. Luthen started the rebellion. Um mm. yeah. Because I think I'm 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 I, don't I think feel that's like I feel like the story of Star Wars uh, has been that many people, many pockets of rebellion start, and then my assumption from various storytelling over the years is that Mothma is the one who pulls it together and makes it an alliance, and that could still be the story because because Luthen has a network, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm just yeah, uh, I, I'm just very curious to see uh, what that how that story all plays out. And I'm always open to new information and, and different yeah. information. Learning something that we didn't know before is not to me retroactive continuity. Um, yeah, yeah. Retroactive continuity is to me assigning a different meaning to something, uh, not mm-hmm. new information. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm always open to new information uh, and I'm interested to see how it's going to affect Mothma's story and the story of, of rebellion. Yeah, no, I'm with you on it. Uh, uh, when it's all said and done, even after this first season, we'll see where a lot of it lays, but I, I agree with you on it. And, and I'm glad you brought it up because even up top, I said, I love what they're doing, but even I said, it's, it's a swerve from what I thought the character would be doing, which doesn't make it bad. There's plenty, maybe seven years ago, she was in a little bit, Hey, we got to do this. And then Malay said in, cause no one wanted to listen. Uh, Luthen has not been successful in uniting everyone. He's trying. He's got a network. The network's in place. So I, I'm with you on that, and, and something will track going forward. Yeah, I think that I think the most bottom line thing is if uh, I am interpreting it correctly, which I could absolutely be wrong. And Mothma is saying he's got a spinning. You took a vow. It it creates a picture where Mothma is not the the leader of this rebellion. She is right now. She is an agent of Luthen, and we know eventually she will be the leader. But right yeah. now, more of an agent of Luthen. I agree, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, intriguing stuff. Um, the only other thing that I want to talk about in, in canon is uh, sort of some some canon of actual Andor. Uh, the last couple episodes have been clear to drop some time, which sometimes Star Wars is like, don't talk about time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't want you to think about how many days of travel this took or how many hours, right? But this show has been saying. Have been dropping months, right? The yeah. you got a, a, a mention that the Starpath unit was found last month, and then another thirty days passes with Cassian in prison. Uh, it's been a month now since last episode when Dedra uh, met Cyril, right? Mm. Does that mm-hmm. does that uh, the fact that we start out five years before the Battle of Yavin and months are flying by in Andor? Does that give you any thoughts about where this season is is heading? Uh, in terms of just t- timeline, I, I, yeah, what? Because I, I think we're going to pick up four years in. Now, this is where I might be just jump jumping to interviews I've, I've yeah. kind of read. <laughs> um, I'm I, I am fascinated with the time. I even love the one last week of of the you know thirty days drop off and and Andor's uh, just enjoying a good prison meal. Like uh, I thought I was fascinated <laughs> by that too. Uh, it does make me think what else is going on. But I, I especially with Mothma picking up and, and still speaking about the same things and parents uh you know all the interesting people are just becoming really boring these days uh um, about politics uh, we'll talk about politics and caring uh i i'm fascinated about how fast it's moving but um the situation stays the same which might be part of what's going on you got to break through it but yeah 
interesting. I, I think we'll yeah. be about four year, uh, four years out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I don't have any answers. It just made me curious of like, are we going to catch up with some other, you know, event uh, yeah. in the Star Wars timeline, which is fascinating. Uh, final thing is, is other just canon from within Andor itself. Uh, the rebel cells that saw listed off last episode are already coming into play with uh, some of the Imperial gear from Ferrix being tracked to a safe house run by Maya Pei, who mm-hmm. saw mentioned. And then uh, the, this captured pilot uh, is from Anton Krieger's group. And we know that saw is going to be saying, see, see, see? I told you. And Ox. Slow. <laughs> Slow. That's stupid. And Ox. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now we go on to our shortest segment. <laughs> <laughs> favorite action moments uh did you uh did you have a favorite action moment in this um, episode yeah. yeah Edie Karn pouring the the second bowl of cereal uh great action <laughs> there uh, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this like damn in this action it, it, the tension is its own a kind of action it's been fascinating to to see this show kind of uh deal with the, the that side of Star Wars the pew pew side a little differently Yep, yep, keeping it real, real limited and bubbling on the surface, and then I, mm-hmm. I assume there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of explosion, uh, mm-hmm. possibly literally in the prison next episode. Uh, my favorite action moment was Cassian sawing on that yes, <laughs> bathroom yes, pipe. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was great right away to say, like, "All right, he is active. He is doing things. What's mm-hmm. going to happen with the bathroom pipe?" Uh, possibly longer than our action uh, sequence. We're going to talk about uh, favorite moments of comedy and whimsy. I think most of them are kind of a dark comedy again, but did you have some? Yeah, I I think I accidentally mentioned them earlier, but it's hard not to. That's serial slurp from from Cyril. I mean, that's why why I'm still holding Like, there's 10% of me that still kind of likes him. And he's and he's this haunting, horrible character. Uh, that was amazing. That was amazing. Passive aggressive serial <laughs> slurping is yes, uh, it is one of the most action filled and comedic moments of just like I uh, the only way to even uh, begin to process my anger is to slurp milk yeah. as violently as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that section. Uh, very dark comedy, but made me laugh of, uh, you know, them fighting over Edie being in his room and cleaning and just Cyril saying, you've been in my private box. <laughs> <laughs> my little secret box. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's both so painful to, to feel that, like that, that, you know, violation. Right. And he could mm-hmm. be saying like, you have snuck into my soul and taken my own value away from me. Right. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's, there's almost this comedy, this guy who got, keeps his hair so tidy and uh, tailored and of course he has a private box (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i feel that violation again working through some things in real life childhood. yep uh yeah anyway uh some some cassettes hidden and interesting places in my room anyway uh (laughs) yeah the uh the dinner scene i think you and i both uh had some had some fun with at at the the uh mothma family apartment mm-hmm. um yeah in particular that parent continuing to just trying to just grab that ring of a uh, worst husband ever yeah uh mm-hmm. all in with the traditional chandrillan ways thinking you know telling uh vel that uh she needs to find a husband and who's left of any value at your age and mm-hmm. uh vel saying yes all the good ones are taken great mm-hmm great zing that Perrin doesn't seem to hear and Mothma's smile is just like ah that's a fist pumping moment to be like oh finally Mothma has you know an ally at the dinner table finally 
Finally, yeah, and Perrin just uh, uh, assuming Vel is uh, of a of a certain type, right? Is uh, mm-hmm. uh, part of the uh, coding there in that scene too. Uh, yeah, we don't like Perrin. I uh, loved nope. everything about that scene. Nope. Uh, you mentioned this one earlier as well, but in, this is another dark one. But it is just one of those, like to me, comedy. You know, functions on on contrast, and sometimes when something's just a shocking contrast, it, it makes you laugh, even if it's something really dark. And that's uh, Dedra's line of like, "That wasn't a conversation. You were brought in for questioning." <laughs> just it's, that sharp mm, contrast between, mm. like, remember our first date? Like, you were hauled in to be interrogated. That mm-hmm. wasn't a date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very funny line. It's a very scary line. Very very haunting scene. But a dark comedy indeed. I, I imagine. Uh, that there's a lot of uh, women who watch that scene or will watch that scene and are going to say exactly what you just said, Joseph. Yes, it wasn't a date. Why didn't he get that? <laughs> uh, which is uh, a problem uh, and, uh, you know, uh, dark comedy at best. But, yeah, I loved that moment. Love that. Love that revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I only wrote down one other moment of comedy and whimsy, uh, but I almost didn't because I figured that you would be bringing it up. So I want to see if I was right. What else you got? Yeah. yeah. You're talking about part of guys saying, let's go. Exactly. (laughs) 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 Oh, Anton Lesser, you kill me. I love that. He had some great ones throughout, but that beat of like, everybody is so anxious to move up the, the ladder in the ISB and, and to please Daddy Partagas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then those two just sitting there uh, with their, their thumbs up their bleeps and then <laughs> waiting for the beat. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I also just feel I want there to be, for the sake of comedy, at least one more really great let's go because you know, the mm. at the end of the Aldani arc, Skeen has that incredibly huge, incredibly weird, incredibly great, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> so now I just want a mashup of going back and forth between Skeen's really big, let's go, and Party Gas is really small, let's go. Uh, there's going to be, uh, during, if, there's a, if there's a jailbreak coming, we, we're going to have to have a let's go, so I think we'll oh, yeah. make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, uh, good. Andy Circus, let's go. Let's see, yeah. let's see his takes. Mm. Well, this is an awkward one, but we got to include it because we do it every episode. Favorite Luthen line or noise? Yeah, uh, just the 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 memory of of, of him telling so Prussian <laughs> breeds uh, rebellion. Uh, yeah, nothing there. No, he Sadly. was there. That that line of Prussian breeds rebellion was like is, but yeah, absolutely true. But is this episode, no, next episode. Okay, next got episode. it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the, the there's actually a previously on. Uh, where he's got a weird line reading when he's talking to to Clea, and he says, "Ah, you're guessing." <laughs> <laughs> so, still got my Luthen in the previously on. Love that. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? Nah, I think we covered it all. I, I, yeah, again, uh, not to re- reiterate it. I'm glad you brought up the Mothma stuff. Both the, uh, what we absolutely love about it, the questions we have, and I think it's a good reminder. It's okay to have some of these questions. Don't immediately take to Twitter with uh, any uh, any of your hot. Mothma Cannon uh, retconning takes. Let it play yeah. out. Let it yeah, play I'm out. Happy to have it's a, fair yeah. to ask them. I love asking the questions. Yeah, and it's it's really nice to be able to have a space where it feels like we can just raise a question, discuss the question, and say, hey, we'll see when and if the answer comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before for, uh, forming a, a strong opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only other thing that I uh, wanted to touch on is just, you know, uh, I, the the Mothma soap opera is, you know, I, I don't mean that in any disparaging way. You know, I, mm. I think it, it's the sort of there's levels and levels of intrigue in Andor. Yeah. And I feel like there is this sort of as, as Coruscant turns, what's what's going on with the 
the drama with Mothma and she is focused on uh, the Senate. She is focused on trying to get the money, trying to uh, deal with Luthen. And I feel like there's this really interesting drama that the stuff at home we keep being reminded is a problem, right? I think yeah, the yeah. fact that Lita, you know, oh, yeah. you know, has a really pointed, you know, dad lets me do anything I want. And that this reminder that she, that Lita doesn't like pay and, and considers him an old boyfriend and sort mm-hmm. of a, a further threat to her beloved father. It, mm. it continues to make me feel like, uh, Mothma is understandably watching all these other problems and, and Lita's going to be a major problem. Yeah I, yeah, I still don't trust Lita. It's nice also, we keep saying Star Wars uh, doing a Western, doing a, a horror, or doing sci-fi. This is Star Wars doing Kramer versus Kramer uh, from about <laughs> 1980. Uh, so absolutely love it. Yeah. So any predictions or hopes for a next episode? Ah, man, I think we will have this prison break. We will have a, a, a large uh, explosion of action. And I'm going to say this right now. I... I don't have hopes that Kino Loy is going to survive and join the rebellion. Uh, I think nope. that will be a lesson of uh, the cost of committing, uh, sadly. Yeah, you know how you and I have talked over the years about all the great Star Wars storytelling where we meet new great uh, rebel characters and then we inevitably find out, yep, they were also at Endor behind this tree. And we've kind of <laughs> joked about that even if we love the characters of how yeah. packed the Endor force is going. Mm-hmm. I don't think Endor's adding many people to the Endor force. <laughs> No, no. Here, here's what it, it's. Uh, you have Singer uh, looking at Leia through his scope, uh, looking over at Rex, who's looking over at Hera, and then Kino <laughs> Loy has got Singer in his sights, while Iden Versio is sneaking behind him. Uh, that's what we're leading to, right? No, I yeah. Sadly, we're gonna lose Kino. I believe Alphabet Squadron member watching Luke Skywalker at the pyre, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, don't have a problem with that. But it uh, sometimes happens a lot. So. Yeah, but I don't think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tragedy in that prison break. I think Andor is very interested in the in the cost. Yeah. Of of you know rebelling in and I think really turning the screws on this great story that they've set up of like why wouldn't you try to escape that prison if your other option is death, no matter what. Yeah. You know, but. But then there's also going to be the the like okay, but if you start a prison break and people die, is that a cost? And how how do you reckon with all that? I think yeah. is it makes me think that the the body count's going to be high. I'm very curious then for next episode to see if it is really just a prison break or if we get past the prison break because I think the next really interesting question is where does Cassian go? Mm-hmm. Who 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 can he turn to? Who does he turn to? And will the finale really just will if Cassian is motivated will his first act of rebellion be be freedom fighting on ferrix yeah that 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 makes some sense for me uh and i think i kind of hope and and feel it will go that way yeah okay so to wrap up with a a fun question we always (laughs) like to talk about what merch we would want based on these episodes um this is a brutal episode so a harder question so did you find any merch you wanted I do inspired want, by yeah, this episode. I do want that med kit, uh, not the actual result there, but I would get a Star Wars med kit where I can just uh, easily inject my ibuprofen in after a hard day. Uh, you know, I, I think I could do that. Just a Star Wars Narkina 5 med kit set. <laughs> actually works. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, I would love uh, Cassian's uh, prison knife. <laughs> Should be a fun, weird thing to advertise. Not actually sharp. It's dull, but it's a Target exclusive. You got to be there on the day to pre-order Cassian's prison knife. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, action figures, uh, they've got one uh, Mothma they've revealed. But, man, her, her Senate outfit in the blue. I want a mm. deluxe vintage three and three quarter Mothma in the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pod would yeah. be easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I'm curious. I know you like the Slurpee moment. Would you buy a Cyril Karn action figure with slurping action where, you know, you I squeeze would. his legs and he brings the bowl to his mouth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give me, give me that. Absolutely. Someone who's been accused <laughs> of slurping his cereal before, I, I will take this one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we found a little bit of joy in this <laughs> uh, very harrowing episode of Andor. Uh, Ken, you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We're the Force Center Podcast feed. We're on Twitter, Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Subscribe over there. We're going to announce soon a uh, Mid-November, late November, I guess you say, pre-Thanksgiving holiday season live Q&A episode. Man, that's a long title. It's going to fit well on a <laughs> thumbnail. It's going to be there. Uh, so subscribe over on the YouTube channel so you don't miss that. We have a lot of fun doing those. We're on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. We are found on a lot of spots like Acast, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. If you're there and can rate and review, we'd appreciate that. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you get into our Discord server. Hey, follow me at Cadnapsock across all social media platforms. Uh, and uh, you can also go to my website canapsock.com update on uh, events comedy shows other things i do i have a new youtube channel called sports card asmr you can check that out if that's your thing there have a radio show pop rocket radio on mixcloud uh and uh, so many other things all found on that website joseph where can they find you yeah you can find me twitter instagram tiktok is at joseph scrimshaw if you're interested in any of the other things i do the thing i would love for you to check out is my youtube channel in particular right now i have a, a new short film i released about a week ago it's called peace fight uh it's got myself it's got ken Napsock, it's got mark ellis it's about four minutes uh i've been making a, a request to four center listeners to check it out to see if i can get to about a thousand views within a week of it being up uh, so many of you uh have have Watch the the short film, uh, made nice comments. So thank you all for doing that. If you're interested, uh, please check it out. You can just go to YouTube and search Joseph Scrimshaw in, or Peace Fight, and it will pop right up. There you go. And with that, that is it for myself, for Ken, for Kino's New Resolve. This has been the Andor Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.